Good morning. Happy Easter. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, what a great day for it. We finally get our sunshine, right? We've been waiting for that. Um, well, if you're a guest with us, a welcome to you and welcome to everyone this morning. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our children's director here. Uh, we're so glad to have you with us on this beautiful Easter day. Um, so today we are here at 10.30. Next week we will be back to our normal 10 o'clock time, so we hope you join us again. Um, we will be having our new series, Marriage with Benefits. So it's about getting the best out of your marriage, but if you're not married, um, no worries. There's lots um, of relationship principles that you can apply throughout your life as well. So we hope that you join us back next week for that. Um, and let's now welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we have our Easter message. He is not here. He has risen. And well, I want to welcome you to Faith Birth this morning. Welcome. It's a beautiful morning. Thanks for worshiping with us. Maybe you're online uh, worshiping with us this morning. We want to welcome you. It's one of the best Sundays of the year. In fact, it's the most important Sunday of the year for the Christian faith. In fact, you all are looking good. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and nudge him and say, hey, you're looking sharp. Would you do that? Just tell him, hey, looking good. Yes, and one of the things we love about Easter is it commemorates, ushers in spring. And, you know, there is hope in Minnesota that it will eventually get green grass, okay, and it will warm up. Hallelujah. It's starting to do that. And so when we think about spring and Easter, we think about bunnies maybe, think about candy and, and new life, and then there's the food, right? Oh, how many of you excited about maybe uh, some lunch later, some Easter brunch? I know I'm looking forward to my cheesy potatoes, man. It's a good thing, right? Well, I hear that one of the best places to eat in a restaurant on Sunday Easter mornings is Red Lobster. Did you know that, right? Red Lobster. They say that all the Catholics are so sick and tired of fish that they're not going there. So there's plenty of space for you. You know, Red Lobster is one of my wife's favorite places to eat. There's something about those miraculous Cheddar Bay biscuits. Can I get an amen? Right? I mean, life-changing, right? There's something about that. And, and there's the, who was the genius in the corporation that said, you know, in our lobby, we're going to put this massive big water tank, right? And we're going to put the lobsters in there crawling around and stuff like that. So if the kids get bored, we can just usher them over there. Hey, kitties, let's look at all the lobsters that are trapped. And pretty soon they're going to get cooked, right? And it gives a chance for dads to kind of have some cheesy dad jokes like, look, Johnny, look how crabby the little lobster looks like, right? Or did you hear about the lobster who went to the gym and they pulled a muscle? Mm -hmm, okay. okay, some of you got that. Okay, well, well what other restaurant has a, a tank like that? Uh, that these, these crustaceans are wiggling and then they're crawling on top of each other, right? Just trying to survive. Uh, sometimes I feel sorry for these guys. Man, they're just kind of stressed out in their beady eyes and their little antennas. Somebody crimp, crimped their, their fingers and claws, right? They're just searching for freedom. Is it over here? Is it over here? Get in my way, right? And, and they look scared and, and looking for some hope, right? Some of them just kind of give up. They're just kind of laying there all by themselves, their heads down. It's like it's hopeless. It's not very fun. And they're sad and gloomy. Could it be that sometimes that's the way our life is? 
we're crawling around life trying to just survive, man. People are getting on top of us, taking advantage of us, right? And we're, we're just trying to get to the next level. And maybe there's some fun over here. Maybe there's some uh, freedom over here. And maybe some hope over here, right? And, and we just kind of feel entrapped. And sometimes there's just so much sadness and there's so much difficulties and anxiety that we just kind of put our head down and say, why try? Let's just, just survive life. And that's all there is. Well, that's why we love Easter around here. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead gives us so much hope. It gives us so much assurance. It gives us so much confidence. I, I love what the apologist Lee Strobel said about this great event in world history. The resurrection is the supreme vindication of Jesus' divine identity and his inspired teaching. It's the proof of his triumph over sin and death. It's the foreshadowing of the resurrection of his followers. It is the basis of Christian hope. It's the miracle of all miracles. And we celebrate that today. But not everyone is convinced. Not everybody thinks this Sunday is it's a big deal. Uh, maybe it's you, maybe you're watching online, or maybe some friend just invited you and say, hey, this is just another Sunday to me. What, what's so big? Maybe you just came because you're just loyal to your family and you're just kind of showing up, right? But it's just another Sunday. Or is it just another Sunday? Could it be that this Sunday can be relevant to our life and it was very relevant to the world? I want to take you to a passage found in the Gospel of Luke about how the Sunday morning, the resurrection, Easter, impacted some gentleman's life and would transform them. Now, in Luke, Luke is just one of four writers of Jesus' life. These are called the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke was not a disciple, but he was a uh, physician by trade. And so he is very particular and really detailed minded. And so he took a lot of interviews exactly uh, what happened on that day and wrote th- those down. Now, every writer of the four gospels kind of uh, shared the resurrection just a little bit different. There's some nuances. And one thing about Luke is he goes to this path, this incident that happened of these gentlemen who were really struggling in life. Their heads were down. They were feeling anxious. They were feeling hopeless. And Jesus came to them. And let's read how he uh, documented it. Now, the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Now, you have to understand a lot of things happened in their life in the last week. It was the Jewish Passover in Jerusalem, just up the the road, and the whole world was showing up to Jerusalem for the week. It was a big deal. Uh, And and there was a buzz in the city, man, because there was this controversial figure named Jesus from from Nazareth who, who was proving himself to be the Jewish Messiah. So all the Jewish people, or not everyone, but a lot of them was like, hey, this is the guy. This guy is going to bring us into prominence. For years, we've been enslaved by the Romans, and we're tired of just being submissive to them, and they oppress us. And, and maybe he can bring us back to the promise like the prophets said in the Old Testament. Maybe he can bring our nation back to, to be like when King David, and the, they were, we were kind of on top of the pile, and they were so excited. But at the same time, there was tension in the city. Uh, The hierarchy of the Jewish religion were threatened by Jesus. They didn't like him. So they were doing everything possible to throw everybody in a a riot and and have things kind of melt down. Eventually, that's exactly what happened. 
They would get him falsely accused and, and talk to the Romans to, to put him on the cross and he would die. And man, that Friday afternoon was like no other. It was like all hell broke loose. Dark clouds rolled in. There was thunder and lightning and the earth started shaking. Everybody was running for it. It was like time was split in half on that Friday afternoon. But now it's Sunday. Everything's kind of calm. Uh, the birds are singing. People are kind of moving around. They're all kind of trying to process what happened. And here's these guys. They're walking back to their house at Emmaus. And the scriptures tell us that, that, that as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself comes up and walks along with them. He just kind of shows up. But they were kept from recognizing him. So they're talking, and all of a sudden this guy just, whoop, he's talking, just kind of listening in, be bopping. They have no idea it's Jesus, right? So Jesus asked them, well, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, and then Luke noted that their faces were downcast. Now, the original word means that their countenance was sad and gloomy. Literally, their faces were down. That's probably one of the reasons why they didn't recognize it was Jesus. They were so preoccupied with their sadness and their disappointment and their worry that their heads were down. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? In other words, where have you been, guy? Are you living on a rock? I mean, everybody's talking about this Jesus and he was crucified and you must be clueless. Jesus kind of playing along with them, right? He says, what things, he asks. Well, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. They crucified him. The only people who get crucified is the worst of the worst, the criminals. And this man was crucified but we have hoped that he would be the one who was going to redeem Israel. Yet this was the guy. This was the guy we had such high expectations to us, right? Jesus was going to fix all our worries, and he was going to come around and, and bring us back to prominence. He was the Messiah, the, the deliverer, the Christ. Man, but now you see, they just kind of call him a prophet. He got downgraded to this prophet. He's just a mere preacher. You know, no big deal. And their heads were down. Have you ever had your head down before? I, I would submit to you that a lot of times there's a lot of different reasons why our heads are down and we don't even recognize Jesus is standing right next to us or walking with us. I, I, for these gentlemen, their heads were down because they were very disappointed. Uh, they were very worried. Now, now what? What are we, we going to do? We, we believe this guy and Last time we saw a man, he was dead and being thrown into a grave. It's, it's over, right? Uh, maybe, maybe you feel like God has let you down before. Somewhere in your past, maybe as a child, you had a childlike faith, and, and then through the years, there's just been some hurt and affliction. Maybe you prayed and it didn't come through, and then why bother, right? And maybe there's some issues happened in your past that you're still mad at God. You just can't figure it out, and so... Before you know it, you're, you're just got your head down and you don't even realize that God isn't right next to you. I, I remember in my time, days when my head was down, 
I knew about Jesus. I, I, I've heard that he loved me. I was raised in church, you know, but I was so busy kind of doing my thing. I was so busy chasing fun. I was going to chase what I wanted in my dreams. And Jesus, you just stand over there. I don't, I don't have time for you. My, my head was down. Sometimes people's heads are down because they, they have their own spiritualism, right? They, they, you know, I'm good. I, I know you Christians, you preachers, you get all excited. That's your day. Have at it. Have, have fun. But I'm, I'm cool, right? I, I got my own theology. I got my own spiritualism. I, I think I'm good. Some people are very cynical, right? They, they, they're like, I don't know if I trust God. Uh, some people think, you know, that religion is for weak people. I'm strong. I got a lot of pride. Man, I got talent. And I can just run my own life because I'm so uh, prideful. I'm, I'm so sufficient in my own self. I don't know some people that don't want to look up because they're embarrassed. If they thought Jesus was right next to them, they, they would not want to look at Jesus because how, why would Jesus want to be by them? Because they've sinned. They've done some things that is embarrassing. There's some shame in their life. And so why would God ever pursue me? Why would ever God want to walk with me? I, I, I'm not lovable. I'm sinful. How, how dare me even look up at his face? Some people, man, I, I can't trust churches anymore. Have you seen the headlines? I work for some people that claim that they're Christians, but they're very hypocritical, and I don't want anything to do with them, and, and there's so many scandals, right? No thanks. Some people's heads down, maybe, because <clears throat> life is all about them. Man, I got places to go. I got people to see, things to do, and, and it's about me, me, and so I don't have time for Jesus. No thanks. And we're just pursuing life with our head down. These gentlemen had their heads down. And so Jesus started asking questions. They didn't recognize him, even though he was right there next to them, walking down that path. And so they continued to share. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. He said, in addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find the body. They came and told us that they have seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found just as the women have said, but they did not see Jesus. Now they know something's going on. Uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of weird that the, the tomb would be empty, but there's no Jesus and there's this angel and, and, and they're not sure what's happening. So Jesus kind of jumps in here and he kind of rebuffs them a little bit. He said to them, well, how foolish are you and how slow to believe that all the prophets would have spoken? How, how foolish are you? Now, he's hearkening back to when they were young people in, in school under the, the Judaism and the rabbis teaching about the Old Testament prophets. They were saying, hey, this guy's coming, this Messiah. How, how, how foolish are you? Did, didn't you remember what they were teaching you? Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Did he not have to suffer? So don't you remember when the prophets were saying there's going to be some heartache? There's going to be some bleeding. There's going to be some affliction in the Messiah. And he's Jesus saying the cross meets that requirement. And at the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. But they didn't get it. They didn't connect the dots because in their mind, the Messiah had to do this. If I'm going to believe in the God and this Messiah, then he's going to have to overthrow the Romans and he's going to have to fix everything. And if he doesn't measure up, then I'm kind of out. Do you think we ever do that? Do you ever think, you know, I don't know if I believe everything in that Bible. I, I, I don't, it doesn't really line up to with my convictions and my morality. So that's not my God. I'm going to make my own God. 
I, I think God's like this. I think God's like this. And, and we see this when they said, well, he didn't call him Messiah anymore. They call him just a prophet. And a lot of times we just kind of make a God of our own imagination instead of the God of the Bible. And here they are again with their heads down. Well, the story continues. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. In other words, they, they came to a, a exit ramp and onto their village, and, and they turned, and Jesus, he just keeps going. Well, they, but they urged him, hey, they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. Now, this is key right here. This tells us about God, his son, Jesus. That Jesus did not impose himself to go into their home and their house. He didn't just take a, a left turn with them. Man. He just kept going until they invited him. They didn't really know exactly who he was, uh, but they kind of liked him. And they were, hey, it's getting dark. And why don't you come to our village? Why don't you come and stay at our house? This was a very personal invite, right? And this was the nature of God. It's only until we invite him. He's not going to force himself until we look up and say, I'd like for you to come into my home, into my soul, into my life. And it says that he went, to, went in to stay with them. Wow, this kind of reminds me of the famous passage in Revelation 3.20. It says, here I am and stand at the door and knock. If you want hears my voice. And opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Here's where I think we're at. I think I know God is here standing at the door. And the door represents your soul. It's very personal to you. And he knocks because God is a gentleman. He doesn't say, I'm coming in, like it or not. Or you better open that door or I'm barging in. He knocks as a gentleman. And only you can open the door. It says that if you hear my voice, now what does that look like? Hear the voice. Is there some big light and lightning bolt? It's like, oh, that's God. Is, 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 it, is it a quiet whisper? Is it circumstances and maybe friends, family, maybe even ministers? If you hear my voice, that impression, that secret place that no one else can hear and know that's inside of you and your soul. If you hear that, and you open the door, I will come in. I will come in. And look what it says. It doesn't say, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to dominate your life, and I'll tell you you better do this, and you better watch out, and you strictly obey and stuff. Says, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to eat. You know, I don't know about you, but there's something special about eating, right? It's why we gather around. It's one of the most intimate social settings. We get to know each other. Right? We start loving each other. This is the heart of Jesus. He wants to come in your life and do life with you. There's going to be a day of judgment. There's going to be a day uh, that God's going to be our judge. But right now, he's patient with us. He wants to come in. I, I love the commercials out there right now that he gets us. Has anybody seen that? He, he gets us. That's what this verse indicates. He wants to get you. He understands what you're going through. He's not there to, to force you and, and, and dominate you and, and just shame you. He wants to love you. And it continues on. As he went into that home, he was at the table with them. He took the bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and began to, to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him. 
something clicked. And about time their heads came up and they recognized him, he disappeared from their sight. Could it be, my friends, that Jesus has been walking with you? He's been going to work with you. He knows the frustrations that we're at home. He knows the frustrations with your relationships, your fears, your worries. But we're so uh, consumed with uh, we can fix it. We can do life on our own. We don't need him. That he just stands there patiently until we recognize him and invite him in. Well, he disappeared, and they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we were talked with him on the road and opened up the scriptures to us? In other words, we didn't recognize him, but there was something different about this guy. Yeah, this guy was so close to you, and you didn't even know it. He, he was just patient with you, speaking to you, helping you, knocking on your soul, and you didn't lift up your head to realize it was Jesus. And invite him in. I, this is one of the cool things about Christ. This Jesus, this gospel that we offer is a, a God that loves you. He's full of grace. He pursues you. You know, in our world today, is you better perform. You better look the part. You better do the part. If you're going to be accepted, if you're going to have friends, then you got to uh, check the boxes and be all that. Jesus says, man, I, I, you don't have to be all that for me. I, I know where you've been. I, I don't care if you're ugly, pretty, famous, rich, poor. I will pursue you, and you can't stop God from pursuing you. You can harden your heart. You can tell him a hundred times, I don't want you in my house. I don't want you in my life. I got my life. I don't need you. But you can't stop him from constantly walking next to you. I'm right here knocking on your door. It says in the next verses that something started to change. They acted. They got up. They returned at once to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those with them assembling together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on, that, on their way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke that bread. And they said, It is true. They were so convinced because they had an encounter with the risen Savior. Their heads came up. They recognized him. It is Christ. What were we thinking? Where have we been doing? It's been Christ. He's been walking right next to us. And the Lord has risen and appeared. It's a fact. We've seen him. And my friends, this is where Jesus separated himself from all other religions. There's a lot of paths. There's a lot of good people. There's a lot of sincere uh, philosophies out there. But there's only one person who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That backed that up by allowing himself to be killed in a horrific way and said, I promise you, in three days, I'm going to show you who's boss. I'm going to show you who's the king. And he raised himself. There's no other ancient historical event more documented than Jesus Christ resurrected. And when these gentlemen had their heads come up and recognized, it would change them. And eventually it would change the world. Their old story of worry, disappointment, ended at the cross. Their new life, their new history started on Easter morning. And it can happen for you also. Speaking of new life, I was introduced to a, a father a couple of weeks ago, um, and someone introduced me as a pastor of, of Faith Brook to this man, and this man's eyes lit up and said, oh, you're, you're a pastor. Now, that usually doesn't always happen, believe me, right? And he kind of leaned into me, and he says, man, I just want you to know my life was changed radically 214 days ago. 
And I was like, well, it's 214 days ago. I said, well, that's great. Uh, I'm interested in things like that. Tell, tell me what, what transformed you. What, what happened 214 days ago? Right? He says, man, he starts giving his life story. He says, uh, Pastor, man, I, for 16 years, I've wrecked my life. I was so stubborn. I was so prideful. I was leaning on alcohol, man, and it just screwed up my life and screwed up my family. My wife got so sick of my alcoholism and my, my pride that she wanted to kick me out. I've damaged my kids' relationship. I lost my job, and I finally came to the end of myself. And I stood before God and said, I surrender all. I am a broken man. I need you. Would you take me? Would you cleanse me? Forgive me. And, good night. and ever since then, the grace and love of Jesus Christ has been sustaining me to stay sober and start restoring and reclaiming my life. Every day I have to rely on God's grace. He says, man, for the last 214 year, to 14 days, man, I'm starting to live again. I'm trying to heal my relationship and trust with my wife. I'm trying to rebuild that relationship with my kids. But I'm getting my mojo back. I'm about to get a new job. I've dropped 75 pounds. I'm like a new man. And I'm thinking to myself, yes, that's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. It's happened to me. It's happened to many other people. This man looked up and finally realized it's been God the whole time. He's been patient with him to rely on him. This, his story looked like a lot of the story in the Bible where these men were down, confused, ready to give up. But when they looked up and they recognized Jesus Christ invited them into their home, their life started changing radically. My friends, the good news is today is that's what Christ wants for you. But only you can look up. Only you can invite Christ into your house, into your home, into your soul. And this might be the day for you. In fact, I want to invite you to look up and see Jesus. Look up and invite Jesus into your soul. Maybe you're realizing that God's been knocking on your life. He loves you. He died for you. He created you. He believes in you. And he's just walking down that path of life knocking on that door. If you hear his voice and open, he will come in. He's asking you to see his love that was proved on the cross. He's asking you to realize his authority and his supreme divinity that he raised himself from the, the, the grave to prove himself as the way, the truth, and life. But we have to look up. Speaking of that, I, I heard a story that was pretty interesting from a gentleman I kind of follow. He, he's a minister. He's, a, he's kind of a life coach, counselor. He's, and uh, he's writing, writing a new book. And on this podcast, he's saying that one of the chapters is going to be uh, my days in Australia. He's an Australian fellow. He lives in Colorado nowadays. And he was sharing that um, when he was a kid, he would go to his grandparents, and they would go a lobster fishing. And the way they'd go fishing for lobsters, they would trap them. And so he was explaining about lobster traps. Uh, they're kind of these cages kind of deal. And so in the morning, him and his grandpa would get their boat and go out there, and they'd find some bait and put bait into the lobster traps. In the morning, they'd, they'd fling it out there and let it sink there, right? And then in the afternoon, hopefully they'd come and raise it up, and there would be some lobsters in there, and then have a lobster bake it at, and eat. It was great fun, he says. Now, and then he said, he's, one day as a kid, he's looking over this cage, 
and he's looking at how, how it operated. And uh, they had a funnel that went into this cage where the bait was. And he noticed that there, the, funnel, the hole of the funnel, there, there wasn't like a trap or anything. It was just open. And the rest was open. And so he asked his gra- grandpa, he says, Grandpa, uh, what keeps the lobsters in the trap, in the cage? They could just come out of the hole, the same hole they went in. He says, oh, Stevie, here's the magic of these little um, traps, these cages. He says the funnel and the hole is so close to the bottom of the cage is when the lobsters come in, they start seeking out to get out after they've eaten the bait and, and they're looking for freedom. They're looking for an opening. And so when they're going from side to side searching, they'll go past that funnel hole. And because it's so low, they are naturally put their head down and they'll swim right under the hole to the next wall and keep searching. And this Steve Cuss said, a lot of times that's exactly the way humans are. We don't realize that there is freedom and there is a way out because our heads are down. Yes, we're searching. Yes, we're looking for love in so many horizontal places. It must be over there. No, it's over there. And and maybe I'll really get fulfillment and satisfaction over there. And, And our heads are down and Jesus is standing right there walking with us. And all we have to do is look up and say, that's the real love. That's the hope. If we just look up, that's where freedom is. That's where forgiveness is. That's where eternal life is. But we have to swim up and ask for him to come into our life. Maybe this morning, on this Easter morning, you might privately, secretly admit, say, you know, Jim, my my head's kind of down. I've had some disappointments in life. A lot of times I'm so consumed as if we're going to be able to afford things and get things done next week and and what's going to happen in the future that I'm just consumed. I haven't been paying attention to God. Maybe somewhere you're kind of mad at God, that you had God in this box and because he didn't come through the way you thought, then then you're going to just kind of discontinue him. Or or, or maybe you've been so embarrassed with the things that you've done in your life that it's that's hard for you to see getting close to God or God getting close to you. Not not realizing that Jesus has been walking with you this whole time. Your head has been down. And he says, man, there's an opportunity, but you got to look up. You got to recognize my saving grace. You got to recognize my love and forgiveness for you. You got to trust me to take over your life and live for me. If you wouldn't mind, I'd like for all of us to have a little opportunity with God in this space. In fact, one of the ways we do this is kind of just close our eyes and bow our heads. And when we close our eyes, it really kind of shuts out the clutter and the noise that is always trying to get our attention. The whole time, God's been trying to speak to us, knocking on our soul. So if you wouldn't mind, let's, let's close our eyes and let's try to lean in to his love and his presence this morning. Could it be that God has been knocking and you've been so busy chasing things, doing things, disappointed in things, stressed out in things, that he just keeps walking with you until you put your head up and recognize, oh, there you are. There's your love. There's your forgiveness. There is the way out to freedom. Some people today, it's like, Jim, I know exactly what you mean. I was so full of myself. But I remember the times where I finally let go. 
and I swam out of that trap for Jesus' love, and he grabbed me, and I've been his child. I'm so thankful today. There might be some people who said, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. I, I've been so consumed with what's worrying me. I haven't given God time much at all. I, I haven't read his Bible. I haven't prayed lately. I'm so sorry for that. There might be some people that, man, Jim, I, I, I've been walking a long time without God. Maybe when you grew up, you made a decision to follow Jesus, but you kind of drifted away. There's been some other opportunities and you forgot about God. But today you hear his voice. You hear his love knocking on your soul to open up your soul and give him a chance. To give him a chance to forgive you of all sins. That's what he did on the cross for you and me. If we repent of it, if we own it and ask his forgiveness. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, Jesus, you, you know what I've done. The Bible tells us that he is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us, cleanse us from all our unrighteousness, that we'd be free. We'd be made right for Jesus and have eternal life and that Jesus would come inside. The Bible tells us that if anyone is in Christ, if Christ is living in you, then the old is gone. The new has come. From the inside out, we live. We are a new creation. Jesus, help us to look up and see you. Now, if there's someone here that says, Jim, I'd like to invite Christ in. I, I feel like God is through this message knocking on my heart. And I'd like to swim up to freedom. I'd like to look up and recognize and receive him today. Then I'd like for you to do something for yourself that might take a little courage. And that is to just look up at the cross with your eyes. Don't look at me, but look at the cross because that cross here in front of the sanctuary here represents Jesus who loved you so much. And when you physically look up with your eyes, you're telling Jesus, Jesus, that's me. I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to say yes to you. I want you to come into my soul. I want you to come into my life. I need you. And by faith, I'm going to receive you. Just look up right now. Nobody looking around. This is a private moment. This is a moment between you and God. He's been right next to you so many years. This is your morning. Just like those gentlemen 2,000 years ago, they looked up. It changed them. They were new in Christ. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you're patient with us. We're so grateful, God, that you proved yourself, that we don't have to trust in opinions, philosophies, our peers, even, even preachers. We can trust in the resurrection, that historical fact that happened 2,000 years ago, and you are still on the move, loving us. And Father, for those people that raise their eyes and look to you, we know, God, that your spirit penetrated their heart and now is living like a little baby that's gonna start growing and pursuing you and one day at a time, live with a clean heart, being right, joy, love, uh, fulfillment, satisfaction, security, purpose is inside of them. Grow. Help them to walk in you. We love you. Pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's such a good day. Maybe online, you, you said that prayer. You can just tap on that button online. There's a little hand that just says to the host, hey, I, I looked up and said yes to Jesus. This morning, 
if you could just kind of do yourself a favor and us a favor, there's a little response card in front of you, or maybe you found it on your seat. Uh, on the back of that response card, there's just four little options. Everyone in the place, everyone would take that card and then just give us some feedback. Just some feedback to kind of where you are at spiritually. The first one, hey, this is a really cool one. I looked up this morning and accepted Jesus into my life. We'd like for you to just give us your name. We're not going to hound you, shame you, pester you, but I'd like to just send you a little email and say, way to go. God loves you. Here's a couple of scriptures. Here's a little couple of tools that help you to prosper and succeed in your new life in Jesus Christ. Maybe you say, well, I'm already Christian. Maybe you say, well, I, I'm not ready yet. Okay, that's, that'd be cool. And the, the last one says, I'd like more information about Jesus. I'm not sure. I'm kind of a newbie. I, I need more. Or I'd like information about this church. And then um, put that in a basket on the way out, your name. And you can take the pen home with you. It's all right in front of you. Uh, we'd love to have your feedback and just maybe coach you, inspire, inspire you um, spiritually. Well, uh, the worship team is going to close us out with a, a beautiful Easter song.